So today we are continuing in our series called Stretch and the premise of Stretch is simply this, is that you as a believer want to have a greater capacity to really experience and encounter God. And so there are some things that we can do that will increase our capacity to experience God. So today, what we're gonna talk about is the idea of faith. So I wanna start with a question. How many here uh, believe, how many watching online believe that faith is something that you have to increase? You have to stretch yourself a little bit. I believe that I'm in that category. I. I ask God all the time to give me a greater capacity to believe on him. So that's what we're going to talk about. The fourth most used word in the Bible is the word faith or believe. It is used over 500 times in the Old and New Testament. So we're going to start with a passage of scripture that's found in the New Testament. It's the author of Hebrews, chapter number 11. And chapter 11 is really that chapter in Hebrews that talks about what faith is and who had it. And it gives all sorts of uh, heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But in verse 1, this is what it says regarding faith. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let me read that to you one more time. Lean into that a little bit because you need to understand it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Anything you hope for? The conviction of things not seen. In practical terms, this is what faith means. It would be like this. One night a, a house caught on fire and a young boy was caught in this fire and forced to flee to the rooftop. And the father made it outside and his father is down below and he is screaming out to his, his son, catch me or jump I'll catch you and then the all the kid could see was flame and smoke and darkness but he could hear his dad's voice and so he finally calls out and says daddy I can't see you and the father replied but I can see you and that's all that matters that's faith my friends is that even though you might not be able to see God he sees you in every circumstance that you're in Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it doesn't seem that way. Sometimes there's evidence contrary even to the fact that God is watching and active in your life. But the reality is, is that's what's happening. God sees you in every circumstance. But here's the deal. Faith is not the belief that God will always deliver me from my circumstances. Somehow, some way, people start believing that, you know, God is obligated to deliver me from whatever I'm going through. And that's not the case at all. Faith is, uh, is really just the opposite of that. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief in God. That's faith. Because sometimes God allows us to go through the fire so that, you can, so that we can have our lives transformed into more being, to be like Jesus, to be refined by that fire. So what else does the Bible say about faith? Well, a lot of things. So let's start with a couple things. The Greek word used most often in the New Testament uh, literally means, and it, it indicates a belief or a conviction with the complementary idea of trust. So it's, a, it's an idea of trusting God. It's an active thing. Faith is not merely an intellectual stance, but a belief that leads to an action. So let's just dig deeper in that because that's something that we need to understand. James chapter 2, verse 26 says, For the body apart from the spirit is dead. So also faith apart from works is dead. So what does that mean? James says faith and works are inseparable. 
You have, if you have faith, you have works. Whatever you have, when you have faith, you have works that follow. The fact is, is that when you believe on Jesus, there is a life transformation that goes on from the inside out, and uh, faith and works are just inseparable. You begin to think differently and act differently, and uh, oftentimes what we do says more about what we believe than what we say. You can say anything, but how you conduct your life how you live your life, what kind of confidence you have in God is evidenced by the actions that you take. As Christians, one of our goals is to increase our faith. So how do I, how do, I do that? The, apostle, the apostles once asked Jesus to increase their faith. So let me, let me just take a step backwards and let's talk about the idea of how faith is increased. In Luke chapter 17, the context of Luke 17 is that there is a teaching on forgiveness in our life. So anybody here need forget, to, be, to be forgiven or anybody here need to forgive someone else? In Luke chapter 17, verse five, it says, if, even if a person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. So when the apostles heard that, when those that followed Jesus heard him say, that you have to forgive every time someone sins against you, their response is, is that we don't have that kind of faith. We don't have that kind of ability. So God, increase our faith. The Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, uh, you, you may be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So here's what you need to see. In other words, faith does not require monster acts of activity. It just requires simple obedience. So if you want to increase your faith, you just obey whatever God puts in front of you. In other words, faith is just simple. It is just, it's just a simple act of obedience. Probably one of the greatest examples of faith in the Bible is the man that we call Abraham. And Abraham, when God tells him to leave his country and go somewhere else, he just simply obeys, he goes. So with that in mind, if it's just doing what God wants me to do in front of me, so how then do I increase my faith? That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about today. And my prayer for you, and I hope that your prayer for yourself, is that you would pray like the apostles, Lord, increase my faith. So how then is faith increased? So let me give you about four concepts from the Bible that I think are applicable, put it, you can put them into your life today and you'll start seeing your, your life growing in faith. So the first, first way that God increases our faith is by the word of God. Uh, he, Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or the word of Christ. So faith and the word of God are actively put together and so three things that you need to understand about how this works is first of all, the first thing you have to do is that you have to read the Bible. You can't, it's not, it's not gonna jump off the pages and your faith isn't gonna increase by osmosis. You have to understand the promises that are given. You have to understand the commands that God has for us. You have to understand all those things. So you have to, the way that you have to do that is by reading the Bible. But here's the reality, is that oftentimes people start reading the Bible. And uh, I remember as a young believer, I actually, it was right before I became a believer, uh, I had this drawing by God. And so I opened my Bible and I started reading the book of Revelation. 
And I'm just telling you, the book of Revelation is not where you start. It isn't. I mean, after about a day or so of reading the book of Revelation, I shut it and I never opened the Bible again until after I got saved. And so if I were you, if I were a young believer, if I, were, I, I was on the verge of belief, this is where I would start in the Bible. I would start in the Gospel of John and I would read. This is how I would do it. I would read until something speaks to you. I mean, read it actively. Don't just open the Bible and say, okay, in, and I'm going to read a chapter today. Read it actively. Read it until there's something that jumps off the pages at you, that in your heart you know that God is speaking, that God is active, he's alive, something that you don't know, and just stop there. Just stop. Wherever that is, just stop right there. Stop your reading and just begin to think about it and just begin to meditate on your life and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? What actions do you want me to take? What is there that, I, that what is, what's in this passage for me? Is there something you're trying to communicate? If you'll do that, I'm telling you, the Bible will become alive and real and powerful. So here's what the Bible is like. Reading or hearing God's word is like planting a garden. You have to start with seeds. If you wanna grow a garden, you have to first plant the seeds. That's what the Bible does in our life. It plants the seeds of faith. The word of God is the seed that grows into a full-blown faith inside of your life. Knowing his promises, what he says about you, what he says about life, his plan, his plan for eternal life, his plans for you are all unfolded in the Bible. And so you have to get into the Bible on a regular basis, hopefully every day, and that you have to just start reading. Then, once you start doing that, the next step for you to take is you need to then start practicing the word of God. James chapter one says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So, okay, I start reading the Bible and I come, apart, come upon something that really I'm not practicing in my life or something that I am doing or not doing. So what do you do then? You stop reading again. You stop reading again, right there, stop reading, and whatever it is, you make a decision right then and right there that you are going to do whatever it is that God says for you to do. That is such a powerful thing. And you know, we have to be doers of the word. And then, as it relates to the word of God, we need to learn to test the word of God. So what does that mean? We put the word of God to test, to the test, when we do something that is contrary to our instinct, but it's revealed in the Bible itself. So the best way I can explain that is show you a, a section of scripture that this is exactly what the apostles did. So Jesus, in Luke chapter five, was preaching at the shore of Galilee. And their crowd started coming, you know, Jesus was this miraculous teacher and healer and, and the crowd started gathering. Every time he opened his mouth, the crowd started coming. And so the crowds were so great that there was a fisherman who had a boat by the Sea of Galilee and who had been fishing all night with no success. He was just sitting there in his boat and Jesus says, hey, to Peter, can I borrow your boat? He gets in the boat and he continues to preach and when he's done, he turns to Peter and he says, hey Peter, what I want you to do now is I want you to just go out into the deep a little bit and cast your nets over, over the edge. And here's what Peter's response was. And this should be our response every time 
we find something that is contrary to our instinct. Here's Peter's response. He says to Jesus, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. If you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Don't miss that. If you say so. You and I need to learn to be, if you say so, type of a Christian. Lord, if you say that I'm supposed to forgive whoever it is that you need to forgive, if you say so, I'll do it. Lord, if you say that I need to learn to be generous in my life, I'll do it. Lord, if you show me, if you say that I am supposed to love my enemy, then I'll do it. That's that's the nature of what faith is all about. The more I do that, the more I increase my capacity for my faith to grow. So I start reading the Bible. I start practicing the Bible, doing the things that I doing the things that I see it saved for me to do. And then when I'm tested, when I'm tempted to not obey it, I just put God's word in a test and I do whatever it is that's in front of me. That's the nature of how my faith grows. There's a second principle. Y'all with me so far? The word of God is very important in my faith life. The second thing that is so crucial is that I need to learn how to serve the Lord. I need to learn how to serve the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read of many great biblical leaders. It's just a chapter. It's the hall of faith. We read about all sorts of people that had great faith before God. And uh, in each case, this is what is recorded in the Bible for us. They faithfully served God. So I'm going to just tell you my own personal journey here. I'm just going to tell you my story. So when I was saved back in the Ice Ages, the reality is, is that I was saved in a church that really didn't have small groups. Small groups wasn't a part of their strategy. It really, in the 70s, wasn't really a part of many churches' strategy. Most churches really didn't understand small groups yet. So where I began to grow as a Christian is that I just jumped in with both feet and I just did whatever was needed. If they needed an usher or a greeter, if they needed, if they needed whatever, if they needed someone to pick up weeds or, or whatever, that's what I did. And I want to tell you, that's where I began the process of growth in my own life. Listen to me carefully. Don't check out. Serving God is so crucial because it's where I learned, listen to this, it's where I learned to trust God. It's easy for me to read a Bible verse and never do anything about it. It's easy for me to sit in my comfort zone, but the reality is, is serving, when God asks us to serve, it's almost always outside of our comfort zone. So I learned to serve. You learn to serve. You just start doing whatever's in front of you, whether you think it's below you or I don't care. You just start serving the Lord. Serving allows you to see God's power firsthand. And serving redirects our focus from ourselves to God. And most of the time, let's just be honest, most of the time, especially if you're in a trial right now, most of the time you're feeling sorry for yourself, right? You're just focused on yourself. How do you get out of that? You just start serving Jesus. You jump out of your pity party and join God's party, and his party always revolves around serving others. 
Principle number three is simply this. You, res- you surround yourself with people who are extremely faithful. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you right now have friends that are more mature than you are, that are better at you than you at whatever it is in the Christian life? How many of you have friends like that? Because that's the kind of friends every single person needs. We need to surround ourselves with people who are faithful, people who will call you to more. Not justify your behavior. Oftentimes, we look for people that will justify how we're living our lives, but what you need in life is you need someone to kick you in the fanny from time to time. You do. You need to have someone in your life say, you know what, that's not good enough. God wants more from your life. And if you don't have that kind of friend, my friend, you start praying and say, God, you, you know, you just call somebody up and say, hey, can I take you to lunch? Can I just spend some time with you? You need to learn to have friends that are more mature than you because that's where growth really takes place and that's where you learn to grow in an amazing way. I thank God for the people in my life that wouldn't allow me to stay where I was. And then there's a last principle that I want to talk to you about, and it's probably the most underpracticed principle that I know, but it is really effective if you want to increase your faith. So in Hebrews chapter 10, this isn't going to be on the screen, so you have to listen to me. That's novel, right? Listening to Pastor Dan. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us, listen to this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Do you listen to those words? Confession of our hope. The, our confession is made to be spoken out loud. It's to be spoken in faith as opposed to doubt. Oftentimes, if you listen to your self-talk, what you'll discover about your self-talk, it is it's more negative than positive. So James says, listen, this is so good. This is worth the price of getting up this morning on a snowy day and watching me online. James says that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. It has the capability of directing this little thing, has the capability of directing the whole ship. That's the tongue. The tongue, what you're confessing with your mouth, what you're saying out loud is actually directing your life. And this is so crucial, so powerful. So what I believe should happen in everybody's life, this is my personal conviction, and I believe, it is to be, I believe it's worked for me, and I believe that it w- will work for you, is that every Christian should find a place every day alone, in your bathroom, in your car, I don't care where it is, but every Christian, everybody that calls Christ Lord, should find a place every day and confess your faith out loud as opposed to confessing your doubts. Now listen. Listen carefully. My life is filled with doubts. And I have a daily choice to make. That daily choice simply is this. Do I submit, do I surrender to my doubt or do I surrender to faith? And what I confess plays a huge role, a crucial role in where my life is going to go. Where I'm going to be in 10 years with Jesus is in many ways dependent upon 
how I'm going to learn how to hold to my confession of faith. So I'm gonna share with you a confession of faith that I use on a regular basis. I'm gonna go through it line by line. This will be available to you online after the services. We'll tell you how to connect to this, but let me just, let me just say this to you. If you're not practicing this right now, you're missing out on something amazing because our world is negative. The world that we live in is constantly bombarding us with things that are just destructive. And so if we're going to make it to the end, if that's your goal, I've got to learn how to positively confess my faith. So here we go. This is my daily affirmation. The first thing that I say out loud to God alone, I don't do this around anybody because it just, this is just weird, but it's something that is absolutely crucial for me. I confess that I am loved by you. Why do I confess that out loud? Because some days... I feel like I've been abandoned by God and left to my own devices. That's how I feel. I'm not telling you that it's real. What I'm telling you is that's how I feel. And so the only way that I can combat that is to, with my tongue, this rudder in my life, to confess the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word says that I am loved by God, even though... It may not seem that way. It didn't seem to Jesus like he was loved by the Father when he was being crucified on the cross, but yet he was. The second thing I confess out loud is that I'm accepted by you. I have acceptance by you. I don't, I don't have to crawl over a thousand yards of broken glass because of what Christ has done on the cross. I'm accepted by you. I then, therefore, I'm a child of God and an heir of your kingdom. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm a child of God, an heir of God, and that is so relieving and so powerful. One of these days, all this stuff, all this capital C stuff that goes on in our life, all this stuff is going to go away, and I am going to reign with Jesus according to his promise. I confess that with my mouth, out loud. I know it's weird. I say it to myself. I say it to God. And I say it into the mirror sometimes. And the next thing I say is that I am your masterpiece, God. I'm your masterpiece. You created me. I was fashioned in my mother's womb, and you didn't make a mistake. Even though some days I look in the mirror and I go, God, if I were you, I would have made me just a little bit different. You know, even though some days it feels that way, I'm still God's masterpiece. I'm a citizen, citizen of heaven. I don't belong to this world. My kingdom is not of this world, just like Jesus' kingdom was not of this world. I belong to the Lamb of God. That's who I, I belong to. I'm a child of light and not darkness. I'm a child of light. That's who I am. I am part of a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special family that belongs to God. That's who I am. And I confess that every day. I share the divine nature. I don't have to submit to sin. I don't have to succumb to temptations. 
I share in the divine nature, the one that gave Jesus the power to do what was right. I have the mind of Christ. That was a gift to me, it's salvation. And here's what else I confess, and this isn't exhaustive list, I'm just telling you what I confess every day, I am complete in him. I'm lacking nothing. I have everything that I need right now that pertains to life and godliness. I am not left on my own. I am his masterpiece, I am complete, and that which he's doing in my life, he will finish. And that is a confession that I promise that if you make every day in your life, that what you'll discover is that your faith will start growing. I'll give you a money back guarantee that if you get a loan every day and you confess positively, you hold the confession of your faith, that your faith will start growing and growing and growing because you're fighting against all that stuff that comes into your mind and your heart every day. Do you get that? You and I are in a battlefield. And the greatest tool that Satan has in your life is passivity. That's all he needs to do. All he needs to do is make you passive. And if he, he, had, if he gets you passive, then you'll begin to succumb to wrong thinking. Wrong thinking leads to wrong living. Wrong living leads to wrong character. Wrong character leads to a bad life. If, I, if he can just get me passive. But if I'll take my faith, and I'll grow in my faith, and I will confess Christ every day and his work in my life every day, it will make a big difference in how you live your life. And that's my prayer for you, is that you'll see that, you know, and I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna tell you, and I, I'm gonna be honest with you right now, my greatest fear is the next five minutes you'll turn the TV off, or your computer off, or whatever you're listening by, and that passively, You'll go on with the rest of your day and by Monday, you'll have forgotten what I just said. This is a game changer. This is a game changer if you want to grow in your faith. And again, the reason we want to grow in our faith is simply because we want to have a greater capacity to experience God. If you do nothing, your capacity will diminish to experience God. You cannot, whatever you do, you cannot approach the Christian life in a passive way. Father, thank you for this day. And I pray, God, that your spirit will take my words, use them, God, for your glory and honor. And I pray, God, that, that Lord, your people will step up to the plate and learn to grow in faith. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen.